Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. It's a hard job, but you guys know I do it all for you. And this week, I'm happy to share that our episode is provided by Armitage Wines in Napa, California. Winemaker Brandon Armitage believes that if we quiet ourselves enough, we can feel the plant's vibrational energy speak to us. This level of connection is what he believes separates one winemaker from the next, allowing for great variation in one's development of wine. He uses sacred geometry to pull this vibrational energy from the universe into the wine, even during all phases of transformation, allowing you to taste the difference. They produce various varietals of wine from Merlot to Chardonnay, but really focus on the different varietals of Pinot Noir. Go to armitagewines.com for more information and to purchase a bottle today. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast, a podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things, all while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Gaeta, it's so nice to have you here. And I had to ask you how to pronounce your name because I need to know. Of course. Like, it's a pleasure. To say it correctly, you are the CEO and president of Charm Celebrations. It's a full service event planning company. And we'll get into that in a minute. But before we get into the chisme, let me ask you, do you know what chisme means? No, I do not. So chisme means gossip in Spanish. Ah. So the way that we do it here is instead of like talking what would consider be gossiping about other people, you get to spill the chisme or the gossip on yourself here. I got you. So (laughs) it's going to be the first disclosure of charm celebrations. Oh, it is? Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, I'm excited (laughs) about that. So I know you're not drinking because you... Our postpartum surgery, I don't even know why you're like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll be, you know, <laughs> I was like, oh, you want to reschedule? And you're, and you're like, no, I'm just sitting down. I'm not moving around. So yeah. we're going to go with it. So I yeah. know you're not drinking, but I am. Okay. Of course. Of course. It's like, uh, hello, podcast of wine. Come on now. Keep I mean, hello. Wine. Yeah. So I am drinking a Armitage Wine 2018 Estate Pinot Noir. So it is a classic Pinot Noir, but also I want to just give a quick fun fact about Pinot Noir. You know, I always try and share tidbits of what's Mm -hmm. happening and whatever it is. So a few fun facts on Pinot Noir. It's actually over a thousand years older than Cabernet Sauvignon. Really? I did not know that. I had no idea either. Isn't that crazy? I would have never guessed, right? No. My husband drinks 
more Pinot Noir than I do. I'm more of a sweet wine drinker. Gotcha. <laughs> so it's actually in Pinot Noir, Germany, where Riesling comes from. So there's sweet and dry Rieslings. Okay. So I'm sure you would like some of the sweet Rieslings. Of course. And those are originated from Germany. But it's also a top Pinot Noir producer. Good which, to know. Yeah, I had no idea. And again, where you find Pinot Noir, you will usually find Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. And right now in the U.S., um, obviously you still think of Napa and Sonoma, but Willamette Valley in Oregon is actually really known for Pinot Noirs as well. Really? I have so, no idea. Just a few fun facts. <laughs> and, and I heard there's a winery here in Texas that's 45 minutes out of Katy. I'm not exactly sure where. Really? So My for those who don't know, Katy is just outside of the Houston area. And no, borderline I have no idea. Houston. It's literally borderline Houston. It's like if you go to certain areas, just like College Park in Beltsville, same exact meaning. Yeah. And I'm from Maryland, so... <laughs> Maryland, the state? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, salud, girl. I know you. I'll cheers for you. That's my yeah. sound effects. Those are my <laughs> very high quality sound effects. <laughs> oh my God. I needed to laugh. Good. I'm glad I could provide that with it for you because we like to laugh here on the Wine and Cheese My Podcast. Laughter is, you know, such a good, you know, isn't it such a great thing when you laugh? You can laugh at anything. Even in the depths of despair, you can usually mm-hmm. find something to laugh at. And it can just bring out so much, right? I've laughed Absolutely. when I've been mourning. I've laughed when I felt just in deep, dark depression. And then yeah, somebody just does something just super random. And you laugh and it just makes... Instantly. Yeah. Just makes everything better. So like the fireworks in my logo. (laughs) There you go. So I'm actually like really interested in hearing your story because I know this last year has been really crazy. You own an event planning company. So I'm sure there's been a lot of different things. But since 2006, you've created events from Maryland to Canada to Texas Mm-hmm. And you earned an event planning certificate by celebrity event planner David Tutera. And we'll get in more into that. Okay. But I know you said you grew up in Maryland, right? You said? Yeah. So you're Lebanese. Did you grow up in the States or did you come as a child or did your parents come and have you here? Okay. So full backstory. I was born in Saudi Arabia during the Lebanese Civil War. And then my parents moved to Maryland when I was almost two years old in 88. So from January 88 to basically May 2012, I was in Maryland. Then I moved to Canada in 2012 when I got married to my husband. And then we moved to Texas in 2016 when the company my husband works for is Slumberger. I don't know if you've heard of them or not. Mm-mm. They're basically oil and gas. Gotcha. <laughs> I, I don't need to. I don't need get into the details. Yeah, yeah that's all you need. To I know. don't even know the details. <laughs> I always have to ask my husband. I'm like, can you make it more familiar? He's like, just know it's oil and gas research. I'm like, okay, I'll accept that. So then. That year we were moving, over 21,000 employees got laid off or let go 
but my husband was one of the lucky ones. So he got transferred to Texas. That's how we moved into Texas. And then from Houston, we moved to Katy because we do have three kids, two of which are in elementary school right now. And the youngest is three. So seven, six, and three-year-olds I have. Wow. (laughs) Where did you even meet your husband to move to Canada? And is is he Canadian or is he American? Well, he's Lebanese too. So okay. Yeah. So we are Lebanese Druze, D-R-U-Z-E, right? So each What does that mean? It's basically, it's our faith. That's what Druze is. We believe in Allah, but you can't convert into the religion. You have to be born into it. So each year they have a convention to gather all these people to have religion, seminars, gatherings for all ages. You create new friendships and meet family members that you've never met in your life. It's just these gatherings that just bring the culture together where everyone is so scattered worldwide. It brings everybody together, basically. What is the difference between being Druze and being Muslim? Well, the only similarity is we believe in Allah. But you can marry outside. You can do whatever. That's your preference. But you're not allowed to marry in because it's it's a closed religion, basically. And I don't know the exact details, but the only difference between Islam and Druze is we are only allowed to marry one person. Got it. I don't know how much simple I can make it. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I always find that very, very interesting because yeah. right? I grew up with very Western Christianity faith. Of course, yeah. I have a very fractured relationship with the church right now because okay. of things that have been said when I was in church. Um, you didn't agree the, with? No, I, I think there was definitely like factions of the church who are of trying course. to be more inclusive and not saying certain things and really being truly being for social, racial justice. And then there's a faction that just is very judgmental and very like, and I don't like that that. in all cultures. It's it's not just the religion, honey. It's all cultures. (laughs) Oh yeah. Culture. Definitely. For sure. For sure. So, and then with our religion, they want to keep the bloodline pure because it dates back to, I don't know, to the beginning of time. So does that mean you can only marry within the religion? Yeah. But there are people who marry outside of the religion. That's their prerogative. So some in our culture, if you basically a lot of people that are very strict within the religion, they basically disown you as a child. Sometimes it's that hardcore. Wow. Yeah. So and that way you have to like for us, we do have a colored star, green, red, yellow, blue and white. Each of them have a meaning. It's really nice what these meanings have and what they mean. It's not like the Jewish star. It's an actual star and it's colored from green to white. And it has like the mind, the truth. I can't really remember the rest of the five colors, Mm -hmm. but they are on Google. So for me, I don't mind talking about it. I'll, I'll tell you what I know because I feel it is important for people to 
understand what this religion is instead of like being, oh, I've never heard of it. I've never this. For me, I have a diversity of friends. I accept any and all and everybody in my life because Mm -hmm. that's how we become united by having different cultures in our lives, by becoming one, by teaching our kids to love everybody. It doesn't matter who they are, what skin color they are. It doesn't matter. People are people at the end and we all bleed the same blood. I don't know how, how versatile or curse words you use on your podcast. Oh, you can curse. That's fine. (laughs) Like there's a saying, does a bear shit in the woods? Right. (laughs) No, I agree with you because, and that was really kind of the whole point of me starting this podcast is to bring people across communities of color to share their stories because ultimately we need to learn from one another and our voices collectively are much stronger than they are individually. Exactly. And I'm more than happy to share that with you because you're Latina, I'm Lebanese, but we're one. We're Mm -hmm. we're like a lot of people either think I'm Latina or Greek or Italian, but they'll never guess I'm Lebanese. (laughs) That's so great. No, thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's awesome. Well, speaking of, because obviously every culture is a little bit different, right? Mm -hmm. So coming here as an immigrant and your parents are immigrants, what type of expectations did they have of you growing up? Full disclosure, my dad was overprotective because he knew when I was in high school, I was boy crazy and (laughs) he did not want me to be a stigma of the teens who get pregnant or have a baby or anything of that nature. And you know what? I'm kind of grateful for that because he was afraid with the American culture and in our culture, he was afraid I would get lost into it. You know, and that's why he felt it is very important. Now, I don't know how your dad was, but my dad, it doesn't matter. Whatever the it is, if it's a boy, you're not allowed to speak to him. <laughs> I, w- I played sports, so, yeah, you know, and, and I was a cheerleader. So there was always something. Boy, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there was always like boys around. Yeah. You can't avoid talking to boys when you cheer for the football team, right? Exactly, exactly. And and another thing is, like, we grew up in a middle class where my parents couldn't afford to put me in gymnastics. Like, we can put our daughter in gymnastics and our son in Taekwondo. However, my parents did put me in Taekwondo. And that's why it holds such a special place in my heart. I'm still four belts away from becoming a black belt. And... Once I'm fully healed from this operation, I'm going to not only focus on my career, my unique career, because I'm the type of person that that's into sports, that's into cars, that's into martial arts. So I'm not your typical event planner. (laughs) Do you have any other siblings? I have one older brother where my husband has seven others. Oh, wow. My husband's one of eight. I'm one of two. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. What was the expectation? Because like, for example, in many Latino households, right? It's mm-hmm. regardless of where the brother lands, where the boy lands, they get yeah. to like be Double freaking standard. Like, yeah. Is it the same in Lebanese households as well? <laughs> yes. Majorly so. Yes. But the one thing with my husband and I, with our kids, we're treating them equal all across the board. But 
growing up, it was a different generation, different era. It's like, that's what my parents know. Like definitely the double standard. Basically, in some Lebanese cultures, the boy can do whatever he wants. And our daughter is like the pride and joy if something bad happens to her or if she loses it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Then people are going to look at her wrong. Then, then it's like never ending world for her and for the boy he can do no wrong basically it's completely different for the girl yeah <laughs> I'm the oldest of three girls so yeah there wasn't that right so that, that kind of played in your favor a little bit <laughs> oh yeah for for sure for sure it did yeah I don't even know what my parents would have done with a boy just I mean my mom is the youngest of 10 my dad's the middle of 12 Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, so you know big families. Oh, my gosh. For sure. Only first cousins. Only on my mom's side. Oh, my God, yeah. I have 47. Wow. We counted one time. And that's not including me and my two sisters. So there's oh, 50 wow. of that us. Is, yeah. That is crazy. With my husband, his mom is a total of six. His dad's a total of six. But then include their kids and then their kids' kids. That automatically makes like a hundred people off the spot. Oh yeah. If we counted, because we, you know, with, I think most cultures that aren't necessarily white culture, when Mm -hmm. family's family, regardless of where they fall. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. So when you start thinking of like my cousin's kids and oh my gosh, I wouldn't even be able to count. I'm like, I'm good. I'm like, I believe you. You said how many? 500? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like in the Lebanese weddings in Edmonton, they usually have up to a thousand people at the weddings. And then in Lebanon, it's probably even more than that because in the Lebanese culture, I don't know how it is with the Latin culture itself, how big they make their celebrations. I know quinces are very big in the culture. Yeah. So. Well, when it came to quince, my parents said I could have a quince, quinceanera, or I could have a car. And yeah. I was like, Psh, car, please. Car, thank you. <laughs> but what I should have said is, can you at least spend half of what you would spend on a quinceanera on a car? Because yeah. I got like some little hoopty as my <laughs> first car. <laughs> but you know what? Look how much change. Like, I was born in 86. I don't know what year you were born. 77. But- Oh, girl, please. You're not that much older than me. (laughs) You grew up in the same era as I did. So Mm -hmm. we're millennials, I think. So you grew up in... Yeah, I'm like, I think I'm considered like still Gen X or Xennial because I'm right right on that cusp. But yeah, I get that. I'm millennial. You look like you're 30. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Well, we can continue this conversation then. (laughs) This is the humor in me that comes out. But no, definitely, you know, and I enjoy making people feel good about themselves. You know, there was like a 70 year old. I told her, you look like you're 35. She's like, what? Okay, you're my new best friend now. I'm like, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's like age is nothing but a number because it's what your mindset is. And whatever you do in life, it's how you shift your mind. Oh, absolutely. Sometimes I feel like I'm still a teenager I feel like I act like a little kid and then I do something really responsible and I'm like, I'm like an actual adult. Like when I hired an attorney, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm an adult. I have hired an attorney. Like, I know. who am I? <laughs> I, and I got this hilarious story for you. And when I bought my first guest wash, I'm like, I bought my first 
yes, watch. But then I dropped it on the tile floor and I'm like. (laughs) (laughs) So let's kind of get into like what you do, right? With Charm Celebrations. Of course. You are an event planner. You do full Mm -hmm. service event planning, which I have worked a lot of events. I've worked a lot of very large events in regards to certain things. So I I get how tedious it can be. Yeah, It doesn't matter what happens in the back as long as in the front they don't know the craziness that happens. I call it, we're the guardian angels of events. And we're ninjas in the night. No one notices what happens in the back. That could be taken a lot of ways, ninjas in the night. (laughs) I said ninja in the night. Girl, I think the wine is getting a little tea too much. I only had two sips. Believe me, it's nothing compared to what I can do. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more wine and cheese mix. Did you know that you can experience many of the wines I taste here on the Wine and Cheese Mix podcast? I'm sure you're aware of how important it is to me to highlight wine brands that are owned by those in the Latinx community. That is why the last Wednesday of each month, we host a virtual wine tasting featuring Latinx-owned wine brands. Whether you choose to partake in the tasting or just want to learn something about these vintners, if you enjoy wine, you will love these virtual events. Please visit thewineandcheesemetpodcast.com slash events for more information. Let's support our community and support these small vintners. How did you end up getting into event planning? Is this because you've done it, you've said since 2006. What was the the journey into that? So basically, I was part of the ADS and the Edmonton Drews Association, something like that. That was Canada. But in, in Maryland, I was part of the ADS. I was on the D.C. chapter. And ADS, it's not like ads. So... Full disclosure, American Brew Society, because when people think ADS, they think ads, right? Right. So different anagram. So for the American Brew Society, I was the on the board and I helped them with various events from, in our culture, we have the Eid, Eid al-Adha, where Muslims have Ramadan, right? So that's another different celebration that we believe in and that I believe, I I don't know for a fact. So I'll check my facts and then bring them back to you. So I've done picnics, I've done major events, major galas and so forth. And then in 2009, I was appointed the youth chair for the teens from 13 to 17, because honestly, nobody really connected with the teenagers as I did. I have an emotional connection to them. And that's how it slowly progressed. But originally, as a kid, you grow up, you want to be a chef, you want to be a lawyer, you want to be a graphic designer, you want to be so many different, we want to have so many different careers. But then what really hit me, I was studying at the University of Maryland College Park to become a graphic designer, but my portfolio didn't really go through because they have higher standards and University of Maryland is one of the top schools in the nation. So I got lucky. My dad works there. So 
<laughs> Nepotism <laughs> at its finest, right? <laughs> exactly. So then I was studying art. I was studying art history. And then when I was at a community college before I transferred over, I wanted to be a forensic scientist, right? Two different like from A to Z completely. Yes. So when I realized I don't have a strong sense of stomach when it came to bad smells, I'm like, okay, nope. That's the same with me. I can handle blood. I can handle other things. It's the smells that I cannot handle. I can't. So then I'm like, one day after I graduated from University of Maryland, I was sitting with my brother and his friends in 2010. And I'm like, I want to be an event planner because I don't want to sit behind a computer doing all day long. Who wants that? Who wants to be granted? Some people do. Some people like that. (laughs) Yeah, no. Giving flowers to amazing graphic designers. But those are people who enjoy the graphics, who enjoy the design. Me, I love being around people. I love the parties. I love everything. And I'm a person on my word. I don't care... What I go through in life, if I tell you I'm going to come through, I will come through. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because I feel the most important thing as an event planner is trust. Without trust, there's nothing. Without communication, there is absolutely nothing. Completely agree. In fact, when you're in events, you should be an over-communicator. Of course. And one of my issues, like I ask over a million questions because... One, I'm not the type of event planner that makes it about me. I want to show interest in the client. I want to show interest in their story, the backstory, the story, how it happened, when it happened, when the person proposed, or the backstory, like, for example, of a theme. Like, I can sit here, talk to you about events all day, every day, all hours. (laughs) Well, you earned your event planning certificate, like we were talking earlier, by celebrity event planner David Tutera, and he's planned events for people like Elton John, J-Lo, Matthew McConaughey, Mm -hmm. Prince Charles, like all these people, very, very, very high profile people. Absolutely. What was that experience like? Did you train directly with him? Like, how did you decide that that's where you wanted to get your certification? And then what was the process that you went through that? Okay. So you know how COVID happened, right? Wait, Chat- what is that? <laughs> what? COVID? No. What? No. Is that why we've been locked in our house for over a year? Did you ever watch Toy Story 4? Yes. Borky ask a question. What? <laughs> no. You're a mom. A three nonetheless. So um, (laughs) there you go, me and my humor. But how it happened is with this pandemic, when it happened, it's just an announcement happened, basically a blessing in the skies just fell into my lap. And full disclosure, I'm still being mentored by him and going to the Newport, Rhode Island, David Tutera experience where I will be learning hands on with him. So (laughs) That's awesome. So what is that? Do you know what that experience entails? I have no idea yet. So I'm just, it's just progressing. So I'm still being mentored by David and his husband, Joey. Mm -hmm. Joey is more of allowing you to realize your mindfulness of what is important, like more about self-care that we do not have that intent 
to really take care of ourselves. And one of the mentees who I am mentoring with, she's not only an event planner, she's a travel personnel, she's an officiant, and she's doing a self-care for professionals. Her name is Brenda Bergeron, and I'll send you her information as well if you want to reach out to her later on. And she's very inapt with the self-care, and that's what Joey teaches us. So it's very important to have that mindfulness, to be aware of yourself, your mind about having the affirmations, like the I am statements, like you have to remind yourself you are worth it. Your net, like everyone keeps talking about your net worth or your don't basically settle for something when you know your worth, when you know what your worth is, don't undersell yourself for anything or anyone. No, absolutely. I think that's kind of a theme all the time every every yeah. week. Obviously 2020, everything stopped. Of course. Everything was, you know, no every every all the events were canceled. What was your schedule like and what type of events were you doing pre-COVID? Pre- and how are things starting to pick up now? We're not post-COVID, but Texas is fully <laughs> open. <laughs> So how is that like between what happened and what you were doing before and how it started to pick up? So full disclosure, I was on a seven to eight year hiatus because I'm not going to say balance. I'm going to say priorities because there's no freaking balance in life at all. You have to know your priorities. My kids were my priorities. And then when we moved to Texas, a blessing in the sky came to me. And I started working with the production side of it because as an event planner, I want to become well-rounded in all aspects from production to catering to flowers to not just becoming a florist. That's not my forte. Like from the design, the balloons, because balloons in of themselves, they have a specific artistry. And to be able to understand the work, to be able to understand each vendor each what a friend of mine calls it I'm giving him his flowers for it because it was his words his name's Ricardo and he said on a spinning wheel when one knob is out of place it's not gonna turn properly Mm -hmm. so when everything is placed in place and we come together as partners and as vendorships like friendships, but as togetherness, walking hand in hand. I don't see myself as being above anybody else because I'm the type of person that I will get my hands dirty. And when I was working with production, I was the former photo booth director for LG Event Pro. They're an amazing production company here based in Texas. They do travel. From there, I got pregnant with my third. So I stopped working priorities came and then I got blessed to work with them again and then I was working with a florist and then the funny thing is she's like one mistake I made is putting three alphas together I was one of those (laughs) and I kind of annoyed one of the florist like I, I guess she was a designer or florist or something because I was asking her a lot of questions I don't know where to put these greeneries. I don't know where to put these certain aspects. And she's like, she told our lead florist, she's like, well, Gata's asking me a lot of questions because it's her first day. 
like, oh, <laughs> like I'm supposed to know these things, you know? And I'm just a sponge and I love knowledge. I love learning. I love gaining information that will help me not only grow as a planner, but become successful as a person too, you know? And yeah. I'm the type of person that I want everybody, when I get to the top, I want to see everybody at the top, at the top of Mount Everest, right by my side, not beneath me, not above me, on the same level. Because right. when, when we all work together, when you have that proper support, there's that proper growth. No, that's totally true. And I appreciate you saying like you decided to take a break from any work at all to focus on your kids. I think a lot of moms have that guilt and you shouldn't have that guilt. Like every person has to make that decision. And if you're in a position where you're able to do that and you want to do that. Take advantage of it. Yeah. And one thing, I was in the Breakfast Club of Champions with Glenn Lundy And a lot of millionaires, even Grant Cardone, everyone like who are older, they're like the one thing a lot of old people say on their deathbed is what they regret is not the money that they're missing, not the sales that they're going to make, but the time with their family. And one rule I have, one value that I will take to my grave I will never work a Sunday in my life because my Sundays are my family time. Because if you don't learn to set boundaries for yourself and people start noticing that, they will take advantage. And that's one thing you Absolutely. Don't- I like to take Sundays for myself as well. But especially when you're in events, that can be very difficult because when you have clients, they want to call you all the time and everything. So the fact that you're setting it now and you're setting that intention now have you started doing events yet again? Uh, yes, I have. Um, I did one last year. Well, I, you know, doing birthdays and everything like that. And I did one main one last year with my daughter's class and everything. It was originally it was going to be planned to be at one of the parents. Well, one of the kids grandparents house. It was a farm and everything like that. And she had they had pools and what have you. So then it started raining and I immediately transitioned it to virtual right away. The kids, the parents were involved. Everybody had such a great time and it was memorable. And some of the feedback and the testimonials that I got from the parents, the kids enjoyed it so much. The parents were happy. As long as the kids were happy, the parents were happy. Yeah. And I've gained friendships from those among others. And then so let I, me ask you a quick okay. question. Yeah. You said you quickly switched it to virtual events. Yeah. I do virtual wine tastings every month. But right. one thing yeah. I want to ask is what are some of the key things that people, because I think pe- virtual events, I don't think will go away. Do you think they're going to go away? Nope. They're what are, hybrid. Yeah. I think that's what I think as well. If people want to create a virtual event, Mm-hmm. What are a couple of the key things that people need to know to make it engaging? Because I think that's the hardest thing for a lot of people. For me, I had a one-year anniversary party and I had prizes. I had a DJ here at my house. So we had music. We were taking dance breaks. We had such a great time. Right. But what would you say for people who just want to do it and they're not sure how to create a virtual event Okay. What are a couple of the key takeaways to help it make a virtual event successful? 
to me, this is because I'm a very engaging individual. You have to be very outgoing. You have to relax because if you're always like, oh my God, I want this. I want this to be perfect. I want this to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. Nothing in life is going to be perfect. So accept it. Go with the flow. Just have fun. Because if you're always serious and you always want everything to be go, 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 you have to have little breaks. How I made it successful, I got engaged and made my kids do obstacle course, dance parties, and keep it an hour. Because if you keep it more than an hour, people are going to lose interest. Unless you're really good at it, because ours ended, it was only supposed to be two hours and it was a four hours. <laughs> there you go. And one of the most important things, have a pro Zoom. Like if you if you have a regular Zoom, it's going to keep cutting you off. But if you have a pro Zoom, the $15 a month is worth the payment that you'll Absolutely. get out of it. Because one, you can have an unlimited amount of people where it's not pro, you have limited amount of people and then you're at a hard stop of 40 minutes and then you don't want to keep reusing the link, reusing the same link, reusing the link. So having a good Zoom, having a good camera, good sound and everything of that nature will make it successful. Just be engaging, make it fun. Don't make it so serious because People will lose interest, especially if you're dealing with kids. With kids, it's definitely a hard stop for an hour because their mindset is only for an X amount of, you got to keep thinking on your feet. Oh, what's going to make them fun? What's going to make them interactive? What's this? What's that? So where did the name Charm Celebrations come from? I'm glad you asked. So my original business name was Charm Serenity Weddings and Events. So I was studying with a friend of mine who's the founder of Rise Up For You. She's also a business strategist. And then near the end of my mentorship with her, she's like, I think we should change the name because Charm Serenity Weddings and Events is too long. So she was like, how about Charm Celebrations? I'm like, it was hard to transition. I'm going to be honest. It was definitely a hard transition for me for having this name for so long and being original. And when she kept telling me about it, I just let it sink in. And then when you think of celebration, what do you think? Anything. Anything can be celebrated. Mm -hmm. As you see, the fireworks, charm celebration, explosion of fun, explosion of color, vibrance. I'm a vibrant person. So CC stands for charm celebrations with an explosion of <laughs> with fireworks in your logo. That's really cute. What is some of the biggest events that you've worked on and what has been the biggest challenge? Because I always feel like sometimes the most challenging events are the small events. Not to say that the big events are not challenging because there's a lot of moving parts. But I always feel like the people that have smaller budgets want more versus people that have large budgets that are used to it. And they're like, okay, they kind of are able to seem like they're able to go with the flow and acclimate easier. Mm -hmm. Tell me what your experience has been in regards to some of your larger events and what has been some of the challenges that you've come across. I'll be honest. Uh, the only challenges I've come across is cancellations. <laughs> but as long as we educate the clients in the budget, 
and they know what to expect, then they'll have a better idea of their budgets and what they want more, right? So Mm -hmm. you can still have a champagne event with a beer budget, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because you have to prioritize what's more important. Do you want, let's say, for example, do you want caviar or do you want champagne? Because the alcohol is very costly. What would you prefer having more to incorporate in your budget? Do you want decorations to make the event extravagant or do you want alcohol to make the event fun? So it's like, what do you want to keep and what do you want to take out? Yeah. And then really easing their mind and talking to them with a soothing voice because events, they want everything to be perfect. And honestly, nothing is ever going to be perfect. So you have to basically hold them by the hand, walk them step by step. And that's what our job is. You've probably experienced it and have diffused so many situations where it's like, where's my wine glass? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the big things, right? Especially for some, like I've not planned weddings or anything. The events right. I've been part of have been really large sporting events, a Super Bowl, Final Four. I've done a lot of nonprofit events, stuff like exactly. that, galas, things, you know, yeah. like very large scale. I've also done very small scale for like nonprofit right. stuff. Absolutely. And I will tell you the one of the most challenging things with planning events, when you have too many hands in the creative side Mm -hmm. like there was a gala that they put me on for the canadian Druze convention right sometimes when you use certain flowers they don't necessarily have to be real but they look more elegant instead of when you go to a gala what do you imagine Oh, I mean, I think I feel like I kind of have a different perspective just for so many that I work with. It's always obviously people people get dressed up. Oh, my gosh. The thing that I hate and I cannot stand Mm -hmm. are overly large centerpieces where you cannot see the person across from you. Okay. Because how am I supposed to have a conversation with that person? Right. It is so annoying to me to have very overly. Now, if it's. It's almost tapered high enough to see that person that's different, but not to block them. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, this was like elongated vase and it had like leaves sticking out. It was very beautiful. I can send you those pictures. And then at the gala, they had just a clear glass with roses in it. A clear glass? Yeah. It's like those squared vases. Uh Uh-huh. With flowers in it. No decorative, wasn't decorative. It was very cheap. But in cultures, a lot of people want to try to not spend money. I told them, you need to spend money to make money. Mm -hmm. That's how I love the Lebanese culture, but sometimes, you know, how it can be. (laughs) Well, I mean, you have to have good, if if you're at a Latino event or if you're at a, you know, And nobody takes your centerpieces, you know your centerpieces sucked. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Because that's where everybody good. The centerpieces should be gone. (laughs) Exactly. So if somebody wants to, if somebody's looking for like searching, whether it's in Katy, whether it's in California, whether it's wherever. Right. 
and they're looking for an event planner, what are some of the things like name three, four things that people should be looking for before they hire an event planner? Okay. Well, one, they need to understand their budget. Two, don't pay $10,000 for an event planner because a lot of them are up there. You can still get the same kind of budget with less because if, like I said before, if you have a beer budget and you want a champagne event, it's not going to work because the majority of that payment will be going to the event planner. So know your budget. That's the number one thing. Mm -hmm. Know if you, with free consultations with event planners, that's going to give you a sign of if you're going to click with them or if you're not. If you're not going to get along with the event planner, don't waste your time. Yeah, you know what that energy is pretty quickly, especially by, and if they're not asking you a lot of detailed questions, I would think as well, right? Exactly. Because some event planners, not all, some event planners will make it about themselves. I had an experience with my best friend. She's not married anymore, but I'm not going to get into that because, you know, (laughs) the event planner made it about her schedule. She wasn't really working around their schedule. That's not right. You know, I, I get like you have certain hours in a day, but at the same time, the couple can't always take off work to meet with you. So know the hours of operation and see if they can be a little flexible with your time, especially if you work in the medical field. Yeah. You know, and then a fourth thing, just see the vibe. Basically, when you enter an office, how do they treat you? Do they treat you welcoming? Do they ignore you? Do they want to avoid even approaching you? See if they're approachable. Mm -hmm. If they're not approachable, then you know right there and then. And if you have, I would guess, if you have an idea of what you want, ask them how they would envision, how how they would put your vision together for you. Exactly. Exactly. The event planner's job, the most important thing an event planner's job is to bring your dreams to reality, your vision to light. They need to ask questions. They need to vibe with you. They need to make you feel like family. And you need to understand your budget. Those are four important things. Are there ever anything, I don't want to say inappropriate, but I can't think of a better word to not talk, like to not approach your your event planner with? Honestly, you got to be transparent. If there's no transparency, no honesty, there's no trouble. Right. Because just don't be inappropriate with them. (laughs) Exactly. Like, don't be like, oh, I need this effing thing right now. Because one of the sayings I go by and I live by, you get more with honey than you do with vinegar. No, it's true. And if there's something you don't like, you need to let them know right away so it can be, so they can pivot and adjust and everything. Either. (laughs) Yeah. But things happen and it's okay. And one of my most successful events that I love and adore talking about is the teen event. Again, I was appointed the youth chair for the Edmonton Druze Association for the Druze Con- Canadian Druze Convention in 2014. And I handcrafted the surfboards out of foam with my husband. He cut out the foam out of, made them look like actual surfboards. 
And then he drywalled them. I drew them, painted them all by hand. That's awesome. That sounds so cool. Yeah. And the teens were like, can we take them home? But my former company donated them to the Drews Association of Edmonton. And I just wanted to give back to the community. Mm -hmm. And it was the, it was a knockoff of the Teen Choice Awards. Oh, yeah, yeah. Convention style. I had stanchions. I had a red carpet. I had up lights. I had six different trophies, like for best dancer, best dress and best personality with little snacks and sodas. But one of the things that teens want to feel is sophisticated. They want to feel like they're adults. They don't want to be treated like kids. So one thing my cousin suggested, she's like, why not create mocktails instead of cocktails? I'm like, that's a really great idea. Because one of the things I'm working towards is is creating teen lounges during weddings, during events, during galas, if parents don't want to entrust their teens to be at home babysitting their younger siblings, they can be at this teen lounge where the parents know where they are, where they can play video games, they can have interactions, they can have a TikTok competition, and at the same time feel sophisticated by having these mocktails and even creating them at home. I was originally going to have a mother and son dance happening tomorrow. But due to my hysterectomy operation that I had last week, I'm focusing on my recovery. And today was the first day I walked outside with my husband and my son, which was amazing. But then I'm like, I got worn out. But then when you texted me, I perked up and I'm like, give me five minutes. I'm like, let's go. I got You're cra- I can't believe hysterectomy <laughs> is a very major surgery. And I do not blame you for forgetting this time that we had scheduled and the fact that you are still doing this. Ay, 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 girl, you like we legit could have rescheduled. Nope. <laughs> nope. I told you I'm a person of my word. I was like, wait for it. I remember the beginning of the week. I'm like, I messaged you, but I never got a message. Oh, back. you did? Yeah, on Instagram. I'm like, are you? Oh my gosh. Maybe I didn't see it for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. Um, where do you see events going? This post-COVID era. I think COVID won't be leaving us anytime soon. Yeah. So definitely hybrid. And I believe it's also more cost effective because you're taking into consideration the elderly, their health issues, and you're really being considerate. And uh, wink, wink, if there's certain people you don't want at your event, be like, oh man, I'm only limited to this amount of people or you can even have it on a week. <laughs> right. You're like, sorry, sorry, COVID. We still just need to be careful. <laughs> and then, then I'm also helping. I have a client, he calls me his agent. He's hosting the first Texas-wide Taekwondo tournament at the George R. Brown Convention Center on August 7, 2021. And you're doing that? You're planning that? Yes. We're working on contacting Taekwondo schools throughout uh, the state of Texas. We're hoping to gain more sponsors because we have over 115,000 square footage that we need to cover. Come on. Mm. Come on now. You don't have to do Taekwondo. You can sell your services, whatever services you have. We don't want you to think that it's not just for Taekwondo. 
Right. If you have food, if you have beverage, whatever company you have, we want to see these small businesses progress and grow and become successful. And whatever the money they make at the event, they take it home with them. Who doesn't want that? Yeah. (laughs) So you describe your life Mm -hmm. as vibrant. Yes, ma'am. Why did you choose that word? Vibrant because I'm a very outgoing person. I'm very loving. I'm very serene. I'm very calm. And I go above and beyond for those who I care and love and cherish that are in my life. So basically, when people get to know me, they're stuck with me. They're like, oh, man, I'm stuck with you. I'm like, yep, you're not. I'm not going anywhere. You know, I wish we had more time. Unfortunately, our time got cut short, Yeah, but I I wanted to make sure to give you the opportunity. That's why we kind of didn't spend a ton of time on some of this stuff and just went directly into everything else. But I want to make sure that if there's anything else that you want to add, that that I give you the opportunity to do so before I ask you like the last couple of questions. Oh, absolutely. And I, I forgot to tell you at the very beginning, I launched my website. Oh, well. Good. Perfect. Because we're going to yep. need to have that. I want to make sure you you add that in. Okay. How can people reach you? How can they? I know you uh, have social media now and you can give your website and everything if absolutely. they're interested in learning more um, about well, Charm Celebrations. I'm also on Clubhouse and I have three different groups on Clubhouse. Uh, you guys can find me at Serenity 86 on Clubhouse. And my three groups are Unforgettable Events. Lebanese culture and G's cooking chronicles because I cook Lebanese food. I don't know if I've ever had Lebanese food. Girl, next time you come to Texas, you got to stop by and I'll make you some and you can take them with you. <laughs> oh, I will. I will. Yeah. I, I, I always want to try new things. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of testimonials. Man, I love your food. It's authentic. And one of my daughter's teachers, her father-in-law was like, oh my God, these we call them fatayir in Arabic, but they're like Lebanese. You can either call them pizzas or discs or whatever. And they're like, oh, we love how you call them Lebanese discs. And <laughs> these are so authentic. Uh, and then her neighbor, actually their friend, they love the food. And then my neighbor took it to her work. She's like, my coworker loved the grape leaves. I'm like, oh my God, just give me till June. Let me heal. And then I'll start taking orders. <laughs> what is your yeah. website? It's charmcelebrations.com. And your Instagram? Charm.celebrations. And my Twitter is charmceleb. C-H-A-R-M-C-E-L-E-B. Awesome. Well, Twitter. <laughs> Gaeta, I'm so glad we got to, you know, do this. Thank you for taking the time because I know we were kind of just all over the place. Okay. but. That's real life. That's what happens sometimes. So that we always begin and end with wine. Yes. I know right now you're not drinking, but what is your favorite type of wine? Red, uh, white, or rosé? And do you have a particular kind? I love Moscato. Moscato is one of my favorite. Especially, like, yeah, you said you like those sweet wines. Yes. I, and there was like a nice red sweet wine. I can't remember the name, but then when I look at it, it's like a big bottle. <laughs> I like the big bottles because, there you go. and then like, there's like the tropical sweet wines and everything. So 
I'm very, I'm very into sweet wines, but like that bitter red, I'm, I, I don't like bitter. Yeah, I, you're definitely not a Cabernet person then, especially really? California cabs. They have that, they're very robust and have that. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think they're bitter, but I know that they're more on the bitter side. So Right, of course. I appreciate you coming on. I will make sure that all of the information that Gaeta spoke about will be in the show notes. And until next time, mi gente. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media, at The Wine and Chisme on Instagram, and at The Wine and Chisme Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, subscribe rate and review five star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated 